Welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast, a resource for inspiration and encouragement while you're on your path to purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is hosted by Wakia Hayward, that's me, and Barbara Wade, two middle-aged sisters who are passionate about having honest, open conversations with each other and special guests about faith, transparency, and living a life of purpose. The Dare to Pivot podcast is rooted in the Christian faith, and we believe that we are all made for a reason and with intention. However, it's up to us to pursue our purpose. By exploring the four foundational pillars of DARE, which are decisions, actions, results, and evaluations, we're hoping that women will be motivated to actively pursue their own purpose journeys. Join us as we learn together that it's never too late to be great. Alrighty, ladies, welcome to the Dare to Pivot podcast. My name is Wakia Hayward and I'm your host. And this is Barbara Wade. Whoop, whoop. And we are um, here today with Dr. Wendy Shia. That's right, right? So <laughs> Wendy is a social worker, a community outreach um, advocate, and her, she is passionate about reducing the effects of poverty um, in our communities. So Wendy, welcome so much to Dare to Pivot. We're so happy you're here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yay, yay. So, ma'am, so you, you gave us the pleasure of actually seeing your bio, but, um, and I always do like a little quick synopsis, but um, in, in truth, we're just women talking, we're meeting, but the women are now tuning in and they're meeting you for the first time. So please tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I <laughs> as far am, as you're comfortable. Okay, all right, fine. I am an immigrant to this country. Um, my family is from Jamaica, West Indies. I was born in England. I went to Jamaica when I was four years old. I came to this country when I was fourteen, um, in the early '80s, um, and so I have had to learn a lot about living within multiple worlds. Um, I am Jamaican. I code switch into African-American um, because that is you know, the, the wider culture of black people that I, that I am around. And so it's, it's interesting. Um, I have, I have um, been working in social service and public um, work for the last, oh, I don't know, 30 something years. Um, I currently work at the University of Maryland School of Social Work. I run a program called the Social Work Community Outreach service. Um, that is a community facing, um, we are very much like a nonprofit operating out of the school of social work. We're completely community facing. We work with families and individuals across Baltimore. Our, we are an unapologetically anti-racist organization trying to grow in our anti-racism, really trying to change the way we show up for black and brown communities, moving beyond the saviorism that sometimes is common in social work practice to really thinking about how do we partner with people so that they can recognize and walk in their own power. That's a little bit about my work. I have, I have a, um, a wonderful family with five young people ranging from 18 to 35. Um, we are a blended family and, um, wow. yeah, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. It's been great. Um, my two youngest children are 18 year old twins who are seniors in high school. And yeah, I'm really excited about raising some black men who are going out there and doing great things. They're, they're all wonderful young people and I'm really proud of them. Wonderful. 
That is awesome. Well, Wendy, the first question that came to my mind is, what is your passion that what that leads you to where you are right now? Is there an underlying theme, story uh, that you'd be willing to share? Sure. I think for me, my passion, the older I get, is really about wanting to see Black people join together in community to really fight racism. And I feel as though that is something that, that is my dream for the future, for how, for how we are going to overcome some of the experiences we're having. I have been, as, as a mother, a Black mother, um, it has been painful to watch the killing of Black people in this country mm -hmm the government sanctioned killing of black people. I've had a really hard time watching that. I, I remember um, when Freddie Gray was killed and you know, they kept playing that loop of him being dragged by the police over and over again. And I really struggled with that because something happened to my brain every time I watched that. And instead of Freddie Gray, I saw one of my sons, mm -hmm. one of my mm -hmm. twins in fact. Mm -hmm. I just kept seeing the police dragging him and it was traumatic. Mm -hmm. And that has really started me on a journey of really thinking and trying to imagine how we overcome what we're experiencing. We have been in this country for over 400 years and we, some things have changed, mm -hmm. but not enough. Right. And so I keep wondering, I feel as though as a people, we are becoming far more complacent um, than we were 50, 60 years ago. So for example, I think frequently about the civil rights movement and what black people were willing to do to overcome mm -hmm. at that point. And I keep thinking about the Montgomery bus boycott. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so 40,000 black people walked for mm -hmm. a year. Mm -hmm. We can't even stay off Amazon for a day if we're trying to boycott now, right? I mean, so I keep wondering if we, if, have we as a people lost, and, and I'm talking about as a collective, right? I'm right, not talking right. about individuals because there are individuals out there doing amazing things. Right. But what we are missing is this coming together for right. one purpose as a right. people right. to really figure out what it is we need to do. Not you're doing this thing and I'm doing this thing, but what does it look like for us to join in community? So that I spend a lot of time thinking about that. So that right. I would have to say that's my passion. Right. Right. Well, I can say one difference I recognize is that there isn't one identified unifier, which at that time was Martin Luther King and others because he was the figurehead. And then there was a large support base for him that helped um, the movement be exponential because it wasn't just him. It wasn't just who was in front of him. It was um, a touch, uh, expanse of his, um, his solutions that people were willing to uh, pick up and collectively act upon. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the, unfortunately, I can't think of a leader we have right now for black and brown people. Um, I totally understand 
your trauma with Freddie Gray. I could not watch it anymore. For me, uh, the killing of Trayvon Martin literally hurt me internally. I had to go to the hospital the day of the, the day of the verdict. Yeah. And I did not know what was wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was physically in pain. And the doctor said, well, is something traumatic going on? I said, I know I heard that Trayvon Martin verdict and I physically hurt inside. And I, did, I just don't know. Um, I mean, and unfortunately, there are so many other names, male and female, that um, we can name that the the effects of the injustices that have occurred to us has been just frightening for lack of a better word, frightening and traumatizing at levels as a mother, as levels as another black person. I mean, we have cousins and, you know, it's not just being a mom. It's just knowing it's happening to our people. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yes. And I, I want to speak to something you said about us not having a leader. Mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways that has been our reason for not coming together and not having a unifier. But And I'm about to say something that a lot of people will not like or will not agree with. But Martin Luther King was a pacifist. Mm-hmm. He was really about, you know, be peaceful nonviolent, all mm-hmm. of that. Those are great concepts, mm-hmm. but I still think they only took us so far. Oh, great. And so, so now I feel as though as a people, mm-hmm. because people are like, well, who's leading us? Well, you know what? We are the ones we have been waiting for. There mm-hmm. is no cavalry coming. And this mm-hmm. is, so we have a choice. We either are gonna keep on waiting for this right person to ride in who's going to do what or we are going to figure out as a people how to come together and how to have some very real conversations about what needs to happen that person may never show up right and so what do we do I feel that for you know I I am you know I'm middle-aged so I am sort of you know moving out of this space right Mm -hmm. to make room for those who come behind and mm-hmm. it's really important to me, just in the same way I feel like my ancestors, all of our ancestors paved the way for us. It's important right. for us to pave a way for those coming behind, right? We walk right. in the footsteps of other people. They're going to walk in our footsteps. And I keep thinking that the mess, and this is one of the reasons I teach. It's the, it's the only reason I work with students and with young people is because I want to be able to influence their thinking. Mm. I want mm-hmm. to be able to encourage them to think differently. Mm-hmm. And to think about themselves as the solution, rather mm-hmm. wa- rather than waiting for the solution mm-hmm. to show up, because it's not mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the solution is going to look much different. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and to your point, multiple leaders as opposed to just one leader. But I think the thought, I think it's going to be someone's thought. You know what I mean? Um, I think the answer, I do believe, is going to be God inspired. That's just my belief. Um, so uh, the modern day Moses is going to be a God-inspired thought and solution that it's still going to require the collective yeah. to enact. 
And um, to be honest, I think I wouldn't necessarily call it a solution, but one of the changes is that um, the minority will no longer be the minority. That is quickly changing. Um, and I don't think it's anyone's intentionality. I think it's yeah. just human nature yeah. um, that the, the yeah, that, that uh, black and brown minority or minority of what is considered the other is no longer gonna be the minority in that um, that lends opportunity for a natural unification because it won't just be that huge other. Um, and uh, because the, the those that are picked on are gonna be the majority and will always be a variation of complexion of um, a variation of nationality, a variation of what that other looks like, but it's gonna be a diverse set of other. Yes. And so I think that's naturally gonna change things. Do you um, think that? Naturally change things in um, how people think because now it's, it's now your family. It's not, people that you have to drive to another town and you won't see any others. Uh, if, if I stay in my little square and my little microcosm that I will never see others. I think that time in our lifetime is gonna be rare uh, where people can just pull and isolate themselves in the mountain of somewhere, in the valley of somewhere. I think it's just naturally going to change. And I believe that's going to change mindsets because you're now talking about people that I know, people that are um, not connected to what I do, um, not connected to as long as we have one of those in the room. It's, hey, these are a whole different set of um, people that I care about because now they're in my family. Can I push back? Can I disagree? You sure can. Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I am not convinced that that okay. is the case. I actually think that numbers won't change things. It didn't in South Africa. And mm -hmm. South Africa came to the U.S. to learn how to do apartheid. We taught okay. that. And I'm so, not, look, I'm not surprised. <laughs> right? That should not surprise you, right? We actually, we taught them how to do that. And mm -hmm. they have, they did it so successfully, mm -hmm. right? And and in South Africa, there were large numbers of Black people. You would think that mm -hmm. Black people are the majority. It's Africa, you right. know? Like, so right. does that really change the power dynamics? Because power transcends skin color. P power is, 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 a, is, is embedded in whiteness, whiteness practices and white supremacy right. is in right. the air, right? And so I, I feel as though so it could, what you're saying could be different if as black and brown people, we figured out how to look at what was happening in the world and, I, and with a strong anti-racist analysis and we could look at that, we could recognize. But unfortunately, too many of us are trying to make it in this world. And in order to make it in this world, we have to let go of that anti-racist analysis because we have to code switch into the white institutions. We have to be able to be acceptable to them, right? And so many of us are learning 
part of, I, I think that part of what's happening for our society right now is not just about um, not having a leader, but I do think you're right that there is, there is that. But I also think that we are, as a people, adapting in many, many of us are adapting to the point where we're like, we are post-racial. We had a black president. We've got a vice president of color. Everything's over. We're fine. And I think mm -hmm. that there are a lot of people who are calling um, success too early. Oh, I and agree. So as we go along, I just, I, agree. I feel like the power dynamics that are in this country, um, that uphold white supremacy are so strong. Mm. I don't see them going away, not without something radical happening. And, and, and the truth is that it's actually not the people that hide themselves away in the mountains that I am most afraid of, because mm. I can see them coming. Mm. It's the people I work with every day in the institutions <laughs> who sitting meetings with me every day, right. who I have to watch my back. Right. Those are the ones I'm far more worried about because yeah, those are the absolutely. ones who help us to think that we're post-racial as a society, when in fact, not a whole lot has changed except that people now know how to act differently. Right. right. I think, so let me just, I'm, I'm going to go back just for a couple lines. Yeah. I think you, <laughs> so I think one of the things that to me that I see as an issue is we talked, to, I think either Barbara or one of you said about the great unifier. And I think that was you, Barbara, right? Who talked mm -hmm. about the great unifier. Mm -hmm. And while I definitely understand as far as saying that we don't have anybody to lead us. And so there, that, that by itself, by default, make us feel like a whole bunch of bees, just flying around like bees instead of we're like going like geese. If we just look at nature, right? There's a harmony, there's a flow here to the situation, to everything that we're doing. I think that one of the biggest issues I see is that there's a level of selfishness all across the board. So I can't worry about you, Wendy, and I can't worry about you, Barbara, because I'm so busy worrying about me. So while I would love to walk this walk with you for 24 hours, ma'am, I can't walk this walk with you because I got my own stuff to do and I can't worry about your walk. You don't need to understand my walk. So I think until we get to a place where the theory of am I, brother's, am I, am I my brother's keeper becomes mm -hmm. a true thing again, I think that's when things change. Because the thing is, you said something orig originally about influencing the way people think. It's a thought process that separates yesterday from today. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, we was all looked at it. We raised all of our kids together. We was all one big harmony community. We was these people. So I knew that I had to stand up. In order for you to stand up, I had to stand up with you. You know what I'm saying? Like nowadays, it's just not that way. Not only because of the fact I think I agree with you about us calling success too early. I think that now we have redefined what success looked like to us and we're not worrying about who all gets it. We're really just thinking about us. Yes. And us is, is, and us is an individual. Yes. <laughs> us well, used to mean us as a people. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yes. Well, I think that's our generation, honestly. Yeah. No, that's middle agers. Honestly, not that I don't think the young people are selfish. Let me be clear. <laughs> but I mean, because <laughs> I have a couple of them myself. So um, I'm not saying they're not selfish, but I also know that there's a difference in mindset. One big piece of evidence for me is the, the burst of technology. That whole idea of believing, feeling, wanting to have influence across the world, however you get it. Um, it can be shameful <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't matter 
But the fact that I want to be an international influencer. Yes. And um, I want to be seen. I want to be known. I can believe that people that I know absolutely nothing about are my friends. You know, and so, I mean, that whole concept is totally different and new. And in that um, space, that leads them to think totally different than we did um and so in their selfishness there is still an opportunity to have a level of influence because of their reach um that uh there is an opportunity for a, a new thought a new way of being new way of unifying a new way of thinking all that to be socialized and distributed um, in a way that we didn't have. And so I'm believing that all of that will be beneficial if it's utilized correctly. So just as you can communicate a message that can be a waste of time, I'm believing (laughs) that there there is a movement um, where it can be fruitful and productive. Yeah. And, And so that's what I'm believing in. I, I agree with that. I, I think you're right about that. I think one of the things that, you know, and this even goes to what Wakia was saying um, and that you followed up with, Barbara, was this idea of um, many of us are um, in this society, people of all races, you know, this is a very individualist society. Mm-hmm. And, and, but our roots are from a collectivist society. We come, African societies are collectivist societies. They're societies where it's not just about you, but you have to live as part of a community. You may be living as part of a village. You, your family is important. You have to honor your elders. You have to make sure that the children come behind, not just the ones you gave birth to, but everybody around you, right? This whole idea. Um, and the Eurocentric, Eurocentric culture is far more individualist. So what has happened um, is that, you know, we, as we become acculturated into this society, we, bec- we are becoming more and more individualist because in this society, in Eurocentric society, which make no mistake, that's what the United States is, the, the measure of success is based on your individual, your personal achievement. It is not based on our collective achievement. And I think that that is fine if you sit at the top of the hierarchy. That is fine if you sit at the top of the food chain, right? But even lions run in packs. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. for real, right? It is not, even those who sit at the top of the food chain, you can survive by yourself if you can kill everybody else around you because you'll always eat. Mm -hmm. But those of us who sit lower in the hierarchy, the social hierarchy of human value, if we don't band together, right. we will only always be prey. You know that when the lion goes hunting, the mm-hmm. lion picks off the little sick one that's on the mm-hmm. edge of the pack. Mm-hmm. The lions do not go into the center of the pack to get mm-hmm. their prey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. to figure out how to become a pack. Mm-hmm. We cannot be operating as individuals. If we are constantly operating as individuals, we cannot gain any momentum as a people. We can only game them. I can only go as far as I can go by myself. But what about when you have to carry me? Right. If I even knew you fail. First, I got to recognize you fail. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I got to know you. Yes, I got to know you. And I think that is, I think that is the key why, why 
we have not gone any further than where Dr. Dr. King took us. You know what I'm saying? Like I was saying, you know, and I think that's just it. Because yeah. somewhere up in there, we stop, we stop even paying attention to anybody else other than, other than ourselves. Yes. Whether it be because of the fact that, okay, so it's, it's a couple things, right? Whether it be because of the fact that we are still trying to just make it out, those of us who started from the bottom, now we're here. You know, whether we just, you know, whether we still trying to make it out or to the point where we have officially made it out and we're determined we're never going back. We're never going back. And some of us aren't turning around to help the others who are still trying not to even, make it out. Not even, I, not even. Right. So I think that right there to me is the, is the reason why we're still seeing things happen to go back to your initial statement about, you know, the, um, police brutality and, 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 and all these murders. And not just even that, but just with us killing one another, right? Us sitting our own herd, man. We sitting our ourselves. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so, you know, I think all of that comes back down to this, this, this whole selfish individual mindset that's really killing us. And then I think that I, and then I see that our um, white or non-African-American or, or, or non-black and brown counterparts, they're still all just quietly working together, <laughs> doing their thing, slowly but surely. And we know that to be true because in the 2016 election, we saw that so clearly. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter what so many white people were saying about how much they valued black and brown people. We know that a huge percentage of white people voted for Donald Trump. I don't care what you say about how well, much you care. Well, there were some of us black and brown people that did too. Yes, but, and, you know, <laughs> so let's talk about that. Because 92% yes. of black women did what they were supposed to do. We still got to work on our men. Mm -hmm. Black women carried, you know, carried the vote when Obama went in. We carried, you know, we carried after the vote after, oh, after Trump. So, but, 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 but the point to your point, Wakia, was, is that people figure out how to band together for their own values, even if it does not mean their own self-interest. A lot of people in this country voted their race, even though it was against their self-interest. If you're voting against universal health care and you have no health care access, then you are voting against your own self-interest. Mm -hmm. But it was so important not to have this thing this Black president wanted to do. That was far more important than whether my family and I have health insurance or not. Mm -hmm. That's amazing to me. That's true. That's true. So it's interesting to, I mean, it's interesting to think about what we would need to do to move further. I think that we have had an example of what it could look like, but I think it scared us. In the 60s and 70s, the Black Panthers really started pulling together community. They were feeding people. They were protecting people. They knew the law. They were armed. I, you know, people, people think that the only way we're going to get to you know, full freedom is nonviolence. I think that's a conversation we should be having in the black community. Mm. We have had a history of, of physical violent struggle. We should be talking about, and, and maybe if we're talking about, we say we can do this in a nonviolent way, 
but we need to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. We need to be having the conversation. And I think that the Black Panthers had it right. They had it right that we had to take care of our own. When Black Panthers were around in communities where Black Panthers were, children didn't go hungry. Black children didn't go hungry, right? They were feeding. They were making sure that the, that you know the Nation of Islam, I think, had some had some 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 things right. They were getting people off the street, getting them off drugs. You know, I mean, there, it was a community effort. No matter what you think about the rest, you know, the other parts of it. You know, we take the meat and we spit out the bones. The parts of it that are are working. Is how it are, are the parts that we need to figure out how to replicate. How do we bring people together? How do we take care of our own? How do we reduce dependence on white systems that continue to oppress us? How do we find our own power? How do we get to the place where we have economic power that we're not dependent? When the 40,000 Black people walked for a year during the Montgomery bus boycott, they brought that bus company to its knees. We can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, so here's the deal. I think where we struggle is, and I'm gonna say collectively, right? Is that when you go to the doctor, doctors all agree that you should have two legs. Everybody agrees it. we know it's all true. There's no doubt that you should have two legs. You go to the doctor, something's wrong and your legs aren't working. They all agree that your legs should work. They should work a certain way. What they never agree on is how the best way to fix them to make them work that way. Until we can all agree on what we just seem is right. Therefore, we first first identify what is right. We have to first agree on who is the person to determine what is right. What is right? Can you see what I'm saying? Because it goes back, right? We got to keep I going do. back one step one step backwards because if we, well, because okay, so as you're talking, I'm thinking about, okay, what I know of the Black Panthers, and obviously I, you know a lot more than me because I, I, it's just a, 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 what is a cursory glance of what yeah, I know yeah, about yeah. them. You know what I'm saying? But I do know a little bit more about Malcolm X because I did study Malcolm X as I was contracting both between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. So you're right. There were areas in that space, right, where it was, there were things about it that I, I agreed with, but then there were things about it that I did not agree with. I think it's one of those things, though, but the trick bag is what is going to be my authority of record? Because once we agree on what is right, then we can all unify on what we're doing, which goes back to your point about the guy when you said about the healthcare. They in their mind, right? Was no black man need to be in office? <laughs> they all they all agree. That's right. That's right. Until we can come up with that right thing, then that's where the struggle starts, right? I agree. I actually think there's a slight twist on what you're saying because I think you're right that there is something we have to all come to the same place with. But I actually, I don't know that we have to agree on what's right because I don't know that that's ever possible. I don't know that we'll ever agree on that. What I do think we have to understand is our history. Mm -hmm. Everything about our struggle in front of us, all the answers are behind us. Right. All the right. answers are in the history. Agreed. If our history has not pointed, if, if we have not historically seen what can work and, 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 and how racism shapeshifts and just changes what it's called, and we, and we keep thinking, oh, so that's gone. The enslavement is gone. Well, now we have a child welfare system where we decide that black parents can't take care of their, their children. We'd rather pay somebody else to do that. It's just, oh, the overseers are gone from the plantation. Now we have a police force that is simply a reincarnation of the, of the overseer system on the plantation. We have to know our history. Like I really believe that we have to be able to recognize the shape shifting because if we can't recognize it, we can't see what's in front of us. So do we have to agree on what's right? We probably should, but I don't know that we will. I think you're right about that. 
but can we agree on what has come before? And, and, and can we make sure that we all know our history and how that history is going to show up again in our future? I feel like that's the first step. Right. So, so this is a, a great segue. You, you mentioned the city of Baltimore mm. and you mentioned systems mm. and um, education. Mm. I will admit I'm a product of Baltimore City and I'm very proud. Mm -hmm. I went through Baltimore yes. Public Schools. Mm -hmm. And so um, the problems there hurt me as well. I, I just... I know the systems that were put into place when I was coming through, you were able, if you had the aptitude, you could test out to go to a special school, not your zone school in your neighborhood because it was better. Yeah. There were schools, still public schools that yeah. were better. Yeah. And they produced the products that could be successful, at least college eligible. Yeah. Whereas the zone schools typically did not. And so they had all the problems associated with the community and it still exists today. Yeah. And so there needs to be a solution for that. Um, and I think that's recognized. I don't think it can be covered up by anything at this point. <laughs> Can't say that it's a new problem. Right. But there's a reason why the zone schools just aren't successful schools. And so the news reports pointing out, pointing them out by one, one by one is insignificant to me because I know 35 years ago, there were schools by different names that were still the schools that weren't successful. So it doesn't matter to me which school it is. It's a failed system. So yeah. um, I, I know that to be true. And uh, so I know there are wealth of ideas that I believe there are other cities that are um, they're more popular in other cities, meaning the charter school system um, and then the benefits of what charter schools provide, you know, them being smaller, um, different lessons, different types of support um, that are available. So I do believe there are solutions. Um, why can't Baltimore get there? <laughs> I just, and, and I'm just asking for your thoughts on that. Yeah. There are a lot of people working very hard in Baltimore to change what is happening in schools. Mm -hmm. But the schools cannot be changed independent of the communities in which they sit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we have got to recognize the important legacy of Baltimore City in this history of racism in this country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you know, Baltimore led the racialized housing covenants. Mm -hmm. We taught right. the rest of this country how to be racist. When you've got racism, racism so deeply entrenched in a society or in a system, when you're so good at it that you can be the model for the rest of the country, those problems aren't gonna go away easily. They are so deeply entrenched. And there are people working all over Baltimore to try to change it, but not everybody. Right. Not enough people. And not enough people, I think, are thinking about this. And I think that the people who are most impacted are so stressed and trying to make it day to day. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we work a lot in Baltimore City Schools and we work with families who are 
you know, this idea that people aren't trying and people aren't out there trying to do it. It's just, that's not been our experience working right. in Baltimore communities. We've got people out there who are making, doing, having two or three jobs and barely making it right mm -hmm. people are working more than any human should possibly work and mm -hmm. trying to make it and then when do they have time and energy to think about other issues besides survival right mm -hmm. so so we've got multiple things happening at the same time mm -hmm. a deeply deeply entrenched system and people who are overworked and stressed and trying to survive and i think there are a lot of us who need to step into this space and really think about how we support people. And I'm not talking about providing services. I wanna be really clear about that. You know, I, I, I work in a, in a social work um, organization. We provide a lot of services, but I, I, I always find myself saying to people, it's not the service provision. You, you, you can throw all the money in the world at the problems we're experiencing. They will right. not go away. And right. we have seen that. We have seen millions and millions of dollars invested in communities. But I think that the focus is wrong. Mm. I think that people need services. I think that human beings should eat every day, multiple times a day, good food. They should have a good place to live. They should have electricity and heat and air conditioning, and they should have transportation and childcare, all that stuff. But those are basic human rights. The idea that we're doing so many wonderful things for people by making sure that every single person in our community eats, we're not doing anything by that. That's a, that's a human right. That, that should be a part of just being human. Mm. We've got to get to the point where we are moving beyond services to justice. What does that look like for us as a society? I'm not even really sure, but that's what we need to be talking about. And the conversations I'm consistently having with people is, you know, people in Baltimore don't need us to save them. Mm -hmm. They are perfectly capable of thinking and doing. Mm -hmm. What we need to figure out is what does it look like for them to exercise power? Okay. In the same way that in middle-class white communities, people exercise their power. I don't like something that's happening in my community and I am going to, you know, call my legislator and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I know how to make things happen and I can shape my community the way I want it to be. And so how do we think differently about just sort of providing services? Because here's the thing about pro providing services. You provide somebody a service today, guess what they're gonna need tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Right. They're gonna need that all over again. They're gonna and need the service. They're gonna need that service. And not only are they gonna need that service, Wakia, but the next generation of that same family is gonna need that service. So we are on this, this uh, hamster wheel. Right. Just kind of like, you know, we need to make people make sure people, you know, we're gonna provide this service, we're gonna provide that service. Well, you know, people really like to work and be able to pay for what they like, what they want for themselves. That's self-determination. How do we get to the point where people are everybody in our community is, is able to decide for themselves what they want, have a vision for themselves, make it happen, and then shape their communities the way they want. It's not about us coming in and doing for or doing to. Right. Our job is to do with right. and walk I totally, alongside. I, I totally agree with you. And one of the fundamental issues is the housing. So for me, when the community is comprised of abandoned homes, 
that are owned by somebody. Yes. You cannot tell me yes. that you cannot find who these homeowners are and get that rectified because yes. there are people that do own homes. Oh yeah. And the fact that they are now rad and trash infested because the the rest of the block looks like a landfill. There's no way these one or two neighbors can maintain what they rightfully have. Right. Amongst all of that garbage like they're living in a cesspool. That's right. And there are plenty of blocks, blocks after block after block after block. And so yes. then it becomes all zip code. Yes. You know what I mean? And so then all the other poverty measures come with it. People treat it like a landfill and they treat it like a cesspool. And so the crime and the drugs, all of that stuff just gravitates to that place. And so I know that to be true, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so then the other services that I do believe are right as a homeowner, they don't get, you know? And so it's just a rippling effect. And then the schools that are associated with that zip code. And so it's one thing, one thing after another to where it's just a, a, a forgotten community and it has nothing to do with whether or not people legally own their homes whether they're paying their taxes. I mean, if the sewers are backing up every time it rains into their basement, you know what I mean? Things like that. Then yes. no, nobody can get on top of that. I really don't know, you know, how much money you'd have to make to be able to stay on top of that, you know? So it's really just practical things that um, they are being disenfranchised and it's not because they can't be homeowners. They never um, get to the place where they have something they value. That is totally a falsehood. Yes. Totally. And I know that to be true because I said plenty of family members that still are property owners in Baltimore City and they have been for decades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's a place of movement that can be rectified. Yes. The, the whole, that, that whole uh, blocks and blocks. Yes. But there's no, properties. there's right. no, will. there's no public will right. to do that. Right. And I, I honestly think that is a, a starting point um, that we could legally find those places and begin to, whether it's fines or just, right of domain, okay, it's no longer yours, whatever that, the the legal avenues for that. But I, I, I do agree, there is no overall will. And I'm, I can't say that Brandon Scott doesn't, isn't trying, I don't know him personally, but I think it's a daunting task for one yes, person. Yes, I think it is, with a, with a long <laughs> history, right? I mean, it's, it's not something that he, even if he wanted to, he's not going to come in and change over. And I mean, it's, this is, generations and generations of history exactly exactly and then it's the powers that be that are are still benefiting from that so no one's gonna vote to okay yeah that's how we're gonna solve it we're gonna take all the property of everybody that's not taking care of it well we're gonna i think we'd be very surprised to find out who those families are because i don't think it's an unlimited list (laughs) 
I, I really don't. And I think that it's an area of benefit and neglect that I think can be foundationally a place to start. I, I think I, I think along with those services, because hmm, I grew up in the environment, just like you, Barbara, right? But obviously it wasn't Baltimore, but it was just another one. I grew up in an environment and I can tell you a big thing that separated me from them was just what I, my, my thought process. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where the shift happens. It's not just with the services, because you're right, right? You know, I can get the free lunch. It's to understand that one, the free lunch is a blessing, but you know, I ain't got to have free lunches if I want to. I can actually maybe one day afford to pay me for my own lunch. Like, this is a thing. And I want to pay for my own lunch. So somebody else can get this free lunch who really need it, because I really don't need it. I can really get up and get my own lunch. You see what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. a thought, it's a shift in the thought process. And I think as long as we continue to give services and not challenge people to think differently, there will be no change. Because human nature says, if I just go by my history says, I just want it easy, why not? Yeah, that hasn't, has not been my experience that people want it easy. I, I sure, there's always gonna be somebody who's gonna mm-hmm. wanna take advantage. But by and large, those numbers are small. I think some of us, so for example, I look at my own life and I might be tempted to think that my thought process was different because of something I did. But the truth is that I had parents who, who, who were available to me. I had parents who weren't, who, who may have been somewhat stressed, but they weren't, they were still able to give me what I needed. I had some, I had people close to me who could help me think, who could really sort of, you know, teach me, walk with me, help me. I, I have to credit my thought process to those people and then recognize that not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you're, if you're coming up in a family where your mother is, is struggling with day to day and she's tired and she's depressed and oh, maybe she started, you know, numbing herself with something because she had to deal with all that she had to deal with. And now she can't really get out of bed in the mornings or, or whatever is happening. I mean, people are struggling with, mm-hmm. with very real things. Then if that were my experience, if that's who I had, that was my upbringing, I might be in a very different place. I might right. not be able to find that mindset to help me because, because everything in my life is telling me something different. So for example, when you're talking about all of the vacant and abandoned houses, I think about as a young person, as a child, a ch- let's say a child lives in Sandtown, Winchester, where, you know, um, when Freddie Gray was growing up, one in three houses was abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so when you come out your front door as a child and you have to walk to school and you're going to pass all these vacant and abandoned buildings, and then one out of every two adults you meet is unemployed. Or, and that doesn't even include the number of people who are unemployed, working part-time, not enough to make it. That's your experience, right? Mm -hmm. And it used to be in Black communities before we figured out when we were allowed to move out of the city and into suburban areas and we, we wanted to move up. Before that, it used to be that a child who lived in the Black community might have had a doctor living across the street from her, or and a teacher might have been living to the left, and a nurse might have been living to the right. And so that child walks out of her house in the morning, and she's meeting Miss So-and-so, and she, they're going to work. And she's learning that that's what we do. That's how we do it in our community. And, and there are all these people, right? But what's happened is that, of course, when, when, when redlining was 
well, redlining is still a re very real thing. So when redlining was supposedly became illegal and people could, you know, black people could move out into the, into the counties, who moved? It was only the people who had money because you have to have money to move, right? And so what we have left behind now is concentrated poverty in some communities because the people who could afford to move, moved. And right. so now we have children who are no longer have access to this community of people who are who are of all different economic levels and professions and all that. We have now become a segregated society, both racially and economically. And so I think it is awfully hard I think we have to sort of be tender with our young people and what our expectations are of them if that is in fact their experience. Right, right. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I, and I, and I, and I, I, I agree completely. And I will say that I was that child. Mm -hmm. I grew up in that environment with that. And I had nobody around me to give me any kind of advice to say, yes, no, maybe so. This is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. It is totally hard. It is totally hard when you have no example, mm -hmm. right? You have no example. Everybody around you to your left, to your right, to your front, to your back, everybody is in the same um, either unemployed, unemployed or underemployed state, right? Mm -hmm. um, and even the bare necessities like food and light and heat are not, are not just common, right? right? That's right. not common. So right. to grow up in an environment where, where poverty is your mainstay and that is your normal and all you want to do is just get a job and work at a factory because you know that at least give you some type of steady employment. Yeah. Um, I still think that there's a, there's a point though to there's something in you, there's this little thing in you that has you to believe that it is possible. I'm amazed at the things that I didn't even realize was possible as a child. I just, I didn't even, my, my brain could not even dream in that space. I couldn't even comprehend that that was even possible. Mm -hmm. So I think what I try to do today is try to go back and give kids. And when I challenge kids, I try to give them the art of saying what exactly is possible and let them to even just dream that they could even be anything. That's right. Because that's where it starts. Right, it starts with the thought process of saying that as long as you see all this stuff around you, I understand what it's like to grow up in a very poor, very poor place. But to understand that there was still something deep down in me that still said, huh, what if though? What if? Let me just try. Yeah. And I think that right there, and I don't even know where that fire came from. Just like what Barbara said to me, I, I feel like that was literally that, that the God in me saying, you know, Wakia, you can do more. You can be more this. You don't have to, you making choices. Like we all making choices, choose this, you know? And I think, but I, I, to me, I feel like if I challenge people, even nowadays, I still talk to tons of Baltimore, people from Baltimore, people from the inner city, and they come and talk to me. And, and these are grownups now, right? These are, they are in their 40s. And just for me to even ask them questions like, who said you can't pay your house off? Who said you got to leave? Who said you can't pay it off? Like, I don't understand. Why must you have a mortgage? You know it's possible not to have a mortgage, right? There, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. So just to challenge people to even think that to me is what changes the game. Because if we don't even challenge people to even, cons to even consider that it's possible, despite what you see walking around, your, your, your walking around every day, then we would never change. Right. Why would we? Well, Why would we? I mean, I'm, and, I, and I'm just going to say, just like you was calling on from your experience, I'm just going to call on there from my experience. Yeah. Like that right there was yeah. my experience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To be able to say that there was something in me that said, why not? Let me just see. 
Let me take the shot. <laughs> Let me take the shot. I'm already failing. I'm already at the bottom. What, what's the worst that can happen? I'm so already here. That's the kind of community I'm talking about. But I, but, but at the same time, so, so you're coming together with community with young people in community with young people and you're helping them think. And I think that's exactly what we need to do. I think, I think though that a lot of black people think that the reason a lot of us have not advanced because we don't want to. And because we we're, not, we're not willing to, to work or we, we just kind of want an easy handout. And I, I think that I think that there is something in between this idea of, of um, people can sort of pull themselves up by their bootstraps or people don't want to, to work. Well, don't, you know, there's a sort of like, there is this, this conversation that you, I hear it with a lot of the older people, you know, you hear that. And I actually think that's really damaging. What I think our conversation should be more about, and you, you are Christian women, so I, I can say this to you, is this whole idea of, you know, Jesus didn't look at us and say, well, you know what, you're, you're not worth, you, you know, you haven't done what you're supposed to do. So therefore, you know, it's a different mindset, right? It is this mindset that is, okay, maybe you're, you're not making the greatest choices. Okay, all right, maybe you're not. Mm -hmm. But also we have to look at your environment. We have to look at your context. We have to look at your history. We have to look at all the messages you have been given about who you can be. It's not so easy to let that stuff just roll off your back. That's right. And That's so right. for many of us who, who, who made it through, it is, I mean, you know, I, I, it is, it is, there's, there, there was, we were either, um, there was something that allowed us. And sometimes it's a mentor, somebody who loves you, who, who <laughs> speaks truth and speaks life into you. Sometimes right. that's all it takes, right? It right. takes somebody, but, but, but we know that a lot of people are working against, they're, they're working up, they're, they're sort of working against the stream, right? And it's, it, mm -hmm. is, it, is, it is very hard to overcome some of the very mm -hmm. real circumstances that people experience. And so mm -hmm. as, as, a, as a people, as a community, you know, that sort of, you know, people just, you know, and I'm, I'm, that's not what you're saying with Key, but I'm saying that I hear this constantly, this idea that, there are some people who just don't want to try. I think that's damaging. I think as a people, just like when somebody walks into the church, I don't care if you were like, you know, a sex worker on the street, you know, two hours ago, you should be able to walk into a church and get loved, right? Get loved on and get. So as a people, we have to figure out how we, how we bring that love and compassion to, to even the people who even those people, that very small number of people who may be gaming the system, hey, you know what? If I were in a certain situation, I would game the system too, because that is survival. And when corporations do it, we don't have a problem with it. But when you're, you know, and we, you know, we, we, we keep, we sort of see the gaming the system as this terrible thing, but it's, it's strategy. Mm -hmm. And when a corporation does it, they get a tax break, right? I mean, for the longest time, Black people were running numbers. It was illegal. Well, who's running numbers now? The state of Maryland. <laughs> Thank you. And the only reason why they don't like it is because they're not benefiting. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm just yes. saying it's the yes. same thing, right? Yes. So yes. I, I have no judgment for people who game the system, right? Because if it, it because because you know your drug dealer on the street is an amazing business person. 
Mathematician. He's a mathematician. Mathematician. He's a mathematician. He, 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 yes, he knows how to do community outreach. He, he understands people. He gets it, honey. He knows how to talk to people. He knows how to network. Ain't got a problem with networking. You heard. Networking, you know marketing, economics, yeah. finance, all all that. pharmaceuticals, all of that. All of that. So now, if you can just so, channel those powers from good for good from from evil to good, then we can make this thing work. But to show him in his world that these are all the traits that you are exhibiting in your trades, yes, exactly. you start to think different. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the truth is that our people are strong and powerful and knowledgeable and beautiful. Yeah. We just don't always see it in ourselves because the messages that we get say something different. So yes, if as a community, we can come together and remind each other of how amazing we are and all the things that are in store for us. And then the next step is to move, move to, okay, and so what action are we taking together? Yes, ma'am. That's, <laughs> That's a great yes. combination culmination yeah. to the discussion. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, you know, I, I ended up, um, because I was dreaming about all this, I ended up writing a novel, which will be released next September. And, and my novel is set in Baltimore and it is set in 2024. And it really sort of explores some of these fantasies of mine. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see how people receive it. Oh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, so, so walk into your utopia. To walk into yes. your which, what a utopia looks like from your from your point of view. That's right. So I am. <laughs> so you know, it is it is it is a dystopian fantasy though, because okay. there's a lot of of pain, right? And it's really about you know us just having enough. Have you ever? And this this came to my mind. Have you read the book The Other Westmore? You know, I have that book and I have started it, but I have not the whole thing. I actually have that book. It, I have two copies. It, in nonfiction, it talks about yes. that dynamic yes. of yep. the two different worlds yep. and the influence of having folks, well, the benefit of finding, because it wasn't automatic, but finding those people that were the positive influence and then the effects and consequences. Yes. The life that did not. That's right. And so I thought it was a phenomenal, engaging read. Yes. In my city that I still won't deny. Yes. Um, I love of it. how that came to pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, if, if you get a chance to get into it, I think it's- Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be my, my, my uh, holiday break reading. Yes. Awesome. You know, I, I think that, um, Wakia, something you're raising that I, I just sort of like, that's like the final thought that I, I want to really just repeat, because I think what you said was absolutely right, is that for each of us, we need to find our young people mm -hmm. and we need to walk with them. Right. I think mm -hmm. that is, they need us. Absolutely. 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 Agreed. And I think once we all do that, at least find them and find the people who are even open to receive something different in yeah. the art of possible. I think where you started this conversation about how we all need to bond together and be this community and, and foster change and demand justice and, 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 you know, not have rampant poverty in our areas, that's just okay. That's generational okay. Like this is just the way it is. That same house been boarded up for generations. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, once we get to that place where we start to teach kids and just help them to understand, why don't you buy that house? Why can't you do it? It's probably available on the tax sale. Let's just look it up. Absolutely. You can change that. You know what I'm saying? It's like these little things. Yeah. to even tell them that it's possible That's so right. I think the whole purpose of us especially at this point of where we are in our life we don't we're not gonna make enough money to go out here and provide other services people need so the only thing we can do now is challenge the way they think yep I think that is that is what the especially those of us who are thinking about the bigger issues I think that's our charge and, and challenge, so I, 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 because I, I, challenge almost sounds as if they're doing something wrong. What, what I would like to support them into liberated thinking. Well, this is, this, is what I, this is what I would say. I would say each one will reach a certain person. Some people would need the challenge. I personally may need the challenge. Okay. For those of us who need a softer hand, who need the support, you talk to them. <laughs> you support. <laughs> right, you support. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, it's like it's like languages, right? I always say, I always say I start at a certain language, but I can get lower, I can get higher, higher up, whichever way you're gonna receive it. Because we got, you know what I'm saying? We speak a different everybody speaks a certain language. Yeah. The I, trick about it is is that we gotta make sure we're speaking to the right person because what resonates with me doesn't resonate with everybody else or what resonates. You know what I'm saying? Like we gotta speak to that right I person. I agree, I agree. But I, I still don't think it's a soft a soft versus hard. I think what we need to do is spend a lot of time listening and really oh, understanding people. Um, I think true. it's not, so, you know, first seek first to understand, right? Absolutely. And so I, I feel thing. as if, you know, if we go in, so everything that I'm talking about is done in relationship, right? Nothing, none of this can be done outside relationship. I'm not talking about standing on a street corner and talking at people. I'm talking about building deep and authentic relationships with people Absolutely. because we can't organize with people if we don't know them. And so part of that is, is as we listen and as we talk and as we understand what people are going through, then we have to sort of figure out what's the right approach. But, but people guide us into what they need, right? They really Absolutely. do. We don't have to come with the answers. We have to come with the willingness to be in relationship. That's all we have to do. I agree with you. Absolutely. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think one of the most powerful words is I see you. I see you. I see you. Yes. That's right. I see you. I see you know, and, and yes, yes, I see you. Like, I understand, I see you. I understand what you're walking through. I get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not here to judge you in it. I'm just here to say, I see you. And I, but I'd be more than ha- happy to take your hand and help you through it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, Walk with you. Yes. 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 Well, ma'am, thank you so, yes. so much for coming on. <laughs> great. It's been a great conversation. Oh, thank you so, so much. And, yes. you know, I just want to be, you know, make sure that, um, I don't think you provided us with a website or anything like that. I know you said in your bio that once your book come out that you will send it to us so that we can actually post it, so we can actually share it with everybody. Um, you know Barbara going to be on it since it's set in Baltimore, honey. You at least go, you go get at least one that's ring. That's right. That's funny. So you have to go onto my website. It's wendyshia.com, W-E-N-D-Y-S-H-A-I-A.com. And just sign up for, you know, I post blogs. I, I, sh- I write short stories. I post those sometimes. I'll post this video, this, uh, okay. this podcast. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. thank you very much. Thank you, ladies. All right. Y'all have a blessed night. And we'll talk to y'all again soon. Thank See you. Y'all. See you soon. Bye. Bye.